Hi, um, thank you for attending this session. Um, I'm very happy to be here in front of you uh, discussing about IoT. Today's topic is uh, secure uh, your edge to cloud IoT uh, solution with Intel and AWS. Um, we'll be discussing mainly about uh, some of the challenges in IoT solution deployments, uh, namely security and uh, scale. And uh, we'll also discuss some of the approaches uh, uh, to solve this problem and how Intel and AWS are collaborating together to address this issue. We'll also look at some of the end customer use cases and case studies. So we'll start off with a, a fun question. How long does it take to securely onboard 10,000 IoT devices? So any guesses? Okay. <laughs> um, well, um, we talk to a lot of customers, vendors, and it, it turns out it, uh, with the current procedures, it's uh, about two man years. So that works out to be about 25 minutes per, uh, per uh, light bulb. Um, that's a lot of time, okay, for fixing a simple light bulb. Now, this question seems to be very innocuous, but it, uh, when you dig a little bit deeper, you will uncover some fundamental questions about uh, IoT deployments, which are, I alluded earlier, it is uh, security and scale. So much of today's um, onboarding process is uh, manual, and uh, it's uh, maybe at best like semi-automatic. So uh, device arrives on site, uh, you know, technician comes. Typically, this is a uh, skilled technician because you're de uh, dealing with IoT and security. So uh, technician comes and installs the device, turns on the device. Uh, the person may have to do some manual provisioning, uh, such as uh, keying in the credentials. Um, then the backend accepts the device uh, credentials and uh, possibly like does some configuration uh, through some device management. And then the device starts working and uh, starts uh, streaming data to the cloud and starts becoming useful. But if you look at this, this, this manual and uh, semi-automated process uh, presents uh, a lot of holes. Um, uh, first of all, I mean, Going back to the light bulb example, uh, how come a $5, maybe $10, $15 device requires a 25-minute time for a skilled technician uh, to install it? I mean, if you work out the math and economics, it, uh, it's about $50, so much more than uh, the device itself, right? So there's something wrong here uh, in this whole uh, equation. Uh, and we have seen this many times, like it's very easy to do a pilot, uh, but when you go into production, you will start running into all kinds of issues like these, right? Uh, economics don't make sense. It takes too long. Uh, people have to go uh, on site and do some truck rolls and do the installation. It's not easy. And, then, and on top of that, you have all these security holes. Uh, coming to the security uh, uh, aspect, uh, much of this is uh, done by uh, PKI certificates, which are kind of like uh, you provision them in, in uh, software-based key stores. 
And when you start doing the authentication process, uh, you know, you uh, expose yourself to some sensitive data that, that has to be uh, transferred back and forth in the authentication uh, process itself. So it's not really a whole, uh, a good experience. Uh, and uh, because of all these issues, uh, there's always like a, a traditional IT and OT friction. Um, the IT uh, people, they say, hey, security is very important. I need to check off this, all the processes, making sure that there is no holes and all that. Whereas the, on the OT side, you have the other side of the equation. They want to move fast. They want to deploy. And uh, often, like, there's this conflict. And uh, even after the conflict, um, let's say you get past the security issue, you still have this economics problem, like uh, $5 versus uh, you know, $50 of installation time. Right. Um, what the industry is looking for is a solution where you can securely and auto, in an automated fashion uh, uh, go about this deployment process, while at the same time preserving the privacy. This is an important aspect. What do you mean by uh, preserving the device anonymity? I can give you two examples. First example, let's say I'm, I'm a caller. Right. Uh, I, my service company is AT&T. I have a phone, and I'm a gold customer. When I call AT&T, AT&T, let's say in this uh, scenario, they only need to know that I am a valid gold customer. But they don't care whether I am this person, I belong to an enterprise, or uh, uh, I, uh, uh, you know, I'm an individual user, or things like that. They just know, want to know the question to be answered is whether this guy is a gold customer or not. So that, that's what I mean by device anonymity. I, the company should know that I'm a genuine user, I'm a valid user, and I'm a gold customer, but don't care whether I, how I use my phone or uh, what I do with it or what my identity is. Another example is, let's say you have a Whirlpool washing machine, right? Um, Whirlpool needs to know that I'm a valid Whirlpool uh, washing machine, but doesn't need to know how many cycles I run, uh, what is my name and address, and, and things like that, right? As long as they know that, yes, this is a Whirlpool washing machine, you're good. So the industry needs uh, solutions like this where you know that I'm a trusted endpoint, but from a privacy point of view, I don't reveal anything more than I'm a, trust, I'm, I'm a valid endpoint. That's what I mean by preserving the device anonymity. So, what the, we, we've talked to many customers and vendors, and uh, what we found out was the ecosystem wanted something very simple, but secure. So, uh, kind of like a SIM-like approach in mobile. You, you have a mobile device, you put the SIM, you power it on, and then you're able to make calls or do whatever data and things like that. And this is a, a, a gap in the industry that nobody is addressing end-to-end. Uh, so we'll take a look at some of the, um, what the industry's perspective is. So first of all, like if you look at the analysts, uh, they all agree that uh, hardware security is an IoT priority. Uh, for, uh, according to Gartner, um, adoption for IoT is, um, is uh, severely restricted. And there's lots of barriers. I mean, some of these things are security and, and uh, scaling. 
And then the, from the security aspects, obviously, like uh, hackers are exploiting these uh, security holes and creating havoc with, with networks. If you look at some of the standards, um, for example, specifications uh, from Department of Homeland Security and also the uh, uh, Industrial uh, Consortium, <coughs> um, uh, IIC, um, there are these uh, upcoming and uh, uh, specs for addressing security for IoT. And all of them are trending towards a, uh, a hardware root of trust based security. Likewise, if you look at the customers and uh, vendors, um, hardware root of trust based security is figuring as one of the critical items in the RFPs. So, while we, while we have to acknowledge that uh, absolute security is not possible, but at least when you start uh, you know, designing in hardware-based security right from the go, it is the next best thing. Okay? And this is key to accelerating the adoption and scale. Now let's look at uh, um, the trusted IoT onboarding. We looked at the previous example, which was all this manual and semi-automated steps. Takes 25 minutes, whatever it is, right? Uh, so Intel has come up with a, um, a solution called Secure Device Onboard. Essentially, um, it works just like the mobile and SIM, right? Um, takes a few seconds to power on, and then you're ready to go. A similar approach here. Here, you have the EPID identity, which is kind of the equivalent of the SIM, right? So this is used, this is actually like, uh, and I'll cover that later in the, in the presentation. The EPID identity is, uh, EPID actually stands for Enhanced Privacy ID. It's a hardware root of trust that is actually fused into the processor, right? So there's no way you can tinker with it. It's on the processor at the time when it gets off the manufacturing floor. And this forms the basis of the root of trust. So Intel also has uh, onboarding service, which uh, generates these keys. And uh, these keys are used to uh, fuse onto the processor. But then once the device powers on, uh, it uh, finds the home, just like in the mobile case, it finds the network, right? So it goes to this onboard service only at power on, at the time of activation. At that time, we verify uh, or attest the identity, saying that, yes, this is a valid EPID key that was issued, and it is active. And then once that attestation process is done, we transfer the control back to the um, IoT platform of choice with its own device management system and so on. And then the IoT platform and device management system can go on and provision whatever it is, whether it's new keys or, or configuration or provisioning or, or anything of that sort, uh, opening a secure channel with the device. And it's important to know that at the, at the, after the attestation, the IoT platform uh, will know that this is a trusted endpoint. Okay? so. This is, this is a very key uh, aspect, um, and this will help. And, and if you look at it, and uh, I strongly encourage you to go to Intel booth. Uh, it's uh, booth number 928 in Hall D. You can see this whole process working, right? Uh, literally, it takes a few seconds, right, um, this whole process. So 
think about like from 25 minutes to a few seconds or maybe under a minute, right? Uh, and it's, it's very, very simple. Uh, place, tower, and provision. And it's secure. Bottom line, um, this is a solution that enables IoT scalability to billions of devices. Takes seconds to power on. You can, you're not tied to a uh, particular device management or anything, right? All, all you need to do is make sure you have this attestation and then you transfer control to the platform of choice um, and uh, device management system of choice. It is a very hard, uh, secure and hardware uh, uh, root of trust uh, secured uh, methodology. And then it is designed in uh, from the foundation and is ready for adoption into device ODMs. And I'll talk, talk about this um, in more detail. So again, um, in Intel Enhanced Privacy ID, it's basically think of it as an immutable identity for devices. It's designed in foundation device hardware identity. So um, we have talked to many customers, one of, the, uh, one of our uh, um, the customer said, everybody is uh, so interested and they are uh, very, uh, you know, enthusiastic in the first few meetings, uh, you know, raising a lot of security issues and, and things like that, which is very valid. We go through all the planning cycle and everything, but when it comes to into piloting and production, um, um, you tend to take some shortcuts, right? And... Uh, Pilot becomes very successful, you go into production, you have not plugged those shortcuts or workarounds, and it's too late. Before you realize it, uh, you see the bad consequences, right? So we want to kind of reduce all that friction, take it out of the system, right? By making the uh, designing in security at the hardware level and making the onboarding process seamless, right? So it has, has two advantages. It checks off the security box, and then it is seamless and it's very fast, right? So it accelerates the scaling and going into production and, and things like that. In, in, in my experience, like when we talk to customers, right, let's say you won an RFP and then you want to scale like 100,000 devices in three years, right? The first time you're not going to turn on 100,000 devices, you're going to probably look at like 500 sensors and 500 gateways in the first three months. So the customer places an order, 500 devices and 500 sensor modules. And then you do some testing and everything. You, check, uh, you pass the security uh, thing. Next thing is you have to roll out, right? We often find that it just stays on site. It never gets turned on. So the whole like deployment cycle is, is delayed because you're waiting for some truck roll, some skilled technician to take these devices, power it on, and, and then get on with it, right? So what, does it, uh, what are the effects of this, right? Uh, from an IoT platform perspective, like Amazon, right? Amazon IoT. Your whole business plan depends on the scale and volume and how the uh, volume is ramping up. And more often than not, it gets delayed, which means that your meters on the cloud are not spinning for the consumption of uh, CPU services, uh, memory, and uh, whatever, VMs, and things like that, and the whole thing is off. 
from an end customer perspective, they are not able to launch their services faster. And that's uh, an ROI drag. So it, using this methodology, it's seamless, automated, secure, and fast. Right? So that's what we're talking about here. So the Intel EPID uh, um, is basically a, an ID that combines uh, verifiable hardware and uh, secured identity. And one of the key things is privacy-preserving capabilities. I mean, by that I mean it is uh, anonymous attestation, right? So uh, kind of go, going back to the Whirlpool machine example, right? It has certain desirable properties. It preserves the privacy. It knows that I, um, the device is part of a valid group. It's a trusted endpoint. But I don't have to tell uh, anything more than that, right? It's a flexible method and secure method of deploying the um, um, uh, devices at scale in a secure fashion. Now, coming to the question of scale, it's, uh, I mean, many of you may be thinking, hey, this is some new technology, and uh, you, know, uh, you know, how do you know the efficacy of this, right? So Intel has been shipping since 2009 on most of its processors this uh, enhanced privacy ID. Right, uh, and uh, to date we have about 2.7 billion um, uh, privacy IDs issued that are widely in use. So this is a mature and proven technology, and uh, um, basically um, most of Intel's uh, security solutions, such as the um, uh, SGX and uh, IPT, which is uh, identity protection technology, and now the secure device onboard, they all leverage this uh, enhanced privacy ID. Also, this is not a proprietary technology. It is an ISO standard and uh, trusted computing group standard. And uh, it is not restricted to Intel. It doesn't uh, necessarily have to go only on Intel processors. It's an open standard. The spec is open. People can generate their own EPID keys. You don't have to use Intel's uh, key generation. And uh, we also provide uh, open source SDKs, so you can uh, insert those EPID keys into, into the um, chips, other chips, chip vendors. We work with a, a large ecosystem of uh, semiconductor manufacturers and device manufacturers. And, uh, um, off late, very recently, EPID technology has been mandated to use uh, and, and validate and attest all Android-based uh, key stores. So there's a lot of adoption that is happening in the industry for this technology. Let's look at uh, um, the ecosystem enablement, how this whole workflow uh, happens. Enabling uh, devices for inherent uh, um, EPID key distribution and uh, EPID authentication is shown in, in this uh, slide. Uh, Intel, yeah. Intel uh, operates, a, as I mentioned, a secure key generation facility to create EPID IDs. And uh, we fuse those uh, into the Intel processors right at the time of manufacturing. 
In addition, we pr uh, provide a low-cost service uh, so that other uh, semiconductor manufacturers and device manufacturers can use these EPID IDs to uh, you know, put them on their, on their chips and uh, devices. You don't have to do this since it's an open spec. The spec clearly specifies how to generate these keys, right? We also provide an SDK that allows you to insert those keys um, um, into the processes and devices. And uh, it's an open source SDK. And uh, uh, basically, like uh, once, once the um, key is distributed, it's put on the device, then you go through the attestation process. The attestation process basically involves selling, uh, uh, verifying the EPID public key, um, verifying the EPID signature, making sure that it is uh, not on any revocation list and so on. And once all these checks are done, um, you tell the verifier that everything is okay, this is a trusted endpoint. Okay? All in all, what we are doing here is delivering a superior out-of-the-box customer experience. So basically, device drop shipped uh, from factory. The installer basically takes it, opens the device, connects, connects uh, to the power and internet, powers it on, and then automatically within a few seconds, the, uh, the device is onboarded. And then the configuration and provisioning happens after um, the whole activation is, is done, and then you transfer the control to the IoT platform or device management, and then the device becomes functional. So it's important to know, uh, distinguish uh, uh, the key things here. The installer doesn't have to do any installation here, uh, any configuration here, right? All he does is just power on, connect the internet, and whatever it is, right? And that's it. The provisioning and configuration happens remotely from the network in a very transparent fashion. That's the beauty of this solution. And then you're not tied into any uh, specific device management. I mean, it's a customer's choice. They can use like AWS's IoT, they can use their uh, AWS device management, or they can use a customer's choice of device management or Intel has its own device management through WindRiver, that's also possible. So we support all, uh, pretty much it's an open standard. No, no lock-in and uh, a lot of flexibility for the customer. And then um, I also talked about the um, um, direct anonymous attestation, which is basically privacy preserving. So that's very, very important. You don't have to reveal too much information to establish your identity. Um, you just have to know that release just the enough information so that you can establish the trust. So next thing, we'll start looking at some of the um, use cases and uh, case studies. The first uh, customer here in this case is uh, Weatherford. It's, uh, uh, it's a customer uh, that is in the uh, remote oil rig operations. They want to Im improve the efficiency of uh, these operations. So um, as you can imagine, uh, these oil rigs are critical infrastructure, very, very high value assets. They uh, often need to be instrumented with a lot of sensors, uh, things like flow control, 
uh, things like temperature, pressure, sometimes even seismic arrays, and, and so on. Also, there are gateways that are, have to be put on site so that uh, these gateways can collect and aggregate the data and um, basically send the aggregated uh, data into the cloud. By nature of this business, it's typically in re very remote locations. So, uh, you know, sending a skilled technician on site like is, is prohibitively expensive. So, the solution is to use the Intel Secure Device Onboard um, plug and play type of experience. You go there once, you just power on, and then, you know, automatically the, the sensors and gateways in these remote locations, they are onboarded and then provisioned using the device management system. Here, in this case, we are using the Wind River Helix Device Cloud for the device management that runs on AWS infrastructure. And what does it do? What is the value for the customer? It lowers the activation costs um, and uh, delivers a high assurance, and then uh, overall, like, uh, lowers the liability. So, um, very, uh, uh, the customer pretty much said, hey, I have so many oil wells, I just cannot afford to do all this, uh, you know, truck rolls and everything. I need a solution like the secure device onboard to accelerate the deployment and scale. The second, um, the, the second use case uh, here is a smart parking garage. So the customer here is a telco that is offering uh, smart parking type of services in metropolitan areas. So what is the problem here? I mean, from a consumer perspective, you're, you're entering a parking garage area and kind of doing your rounds, waiting for somebody to pick out, uh, to pull out and things like that. Um, results in a lot of frustration from the end user experience, but also wasted fuel. Um, especially in certain cities uh, where there's a lot of pollution, so it contributes to air quality uh, deterioration, and then overall frustrating parking experience, right? Um, what is the solution that, uh, that the customer actually deployed? Basically, lighting, smart cameras. Smart cameras are used to uh, locate the vacant parking spaces. Uh, also, they're used for surveillance uh, and security. So, two purposes. And then you have all this air quality sensors, and uh, uh, obviously you have, you have to put a gateway that can aggregate all the sensor data and then send it to the cloud, right? Um, and these are all, these are, devices are all onboarded onto a central uh, OT garage and security management platform. So, what are the benefits of this uh, solution? Uh, obviously, a uh, lot of parking garages, you just have to be, uh, go, go there, install all these lights and gateways and things like that very quickly. So reduced install time is a, a clear value uh, for the uh, uh, telco, of course. And then uh, for the end customer, end, end consumer that's doing the parking and all that, fairly uh, seamless uh, user experience, you're able to easily locate your parking spots. And then for the city, it's uh, an added advantage because it reduces your air pollution. The next use case, 
I'll consider is uh, the asset tracking. So in this use case, the uh, end customer is a shipping and logistics company. And uh, uh, what the customer is looking at is need to be able to track the uh, shipping, uh, the, the containers or uh, the packages uh, in real time um, and um, uh, in a way that you are able to map all this uh, tracking information onto maps, so it's in real time, so it's, uh, um, it, it's basically that use case. So typically these uh, containers, they have, uh, for tracking, you have some tags, um, and then uh, the tags have certain sensors, they have a GPS uh, location sensor, and they have other sensors like temperature, humidity, and things like that. And you should be able to onboard these tags, and there's um, you know, many, many of them, right? So, and then you have um, gateways um, that can be on the containers, or it can be like uh, installed on a truck, or in a distribution center, or a warehouse. So they're able to pick up all these tag signals and, and kind of uh, uh, aggregate, collect, and send it for, uh, to the cloud for further processing. So the problem here is how we can onboard these tags and gateways in a very fast fashion, right? Um, and Intel's secure device onboard um, enabled these uh, devices to be uh, onboarded and uh, provisioned and uh, so that they can be useful in uh, collecting all the uh, tracking data. And uh, the back end can kind of take this tracking data and uh, overlay it with, with some map APIs and, and kind of uh, provide a dashboard. So the, uh, the value here is you are enabling the um, end customer to track and identify these uh, um, tags and gateways that are attached to this uh, packages and containers and then able to provide a, um, in real time, a view of how uh, these assets are uh, in transit and, and so on. The last use case I'll consider is uh, the mining operation. So here the end customer is a mining company that is uh, interested in improving the mining operations including management and control and asset monitoring and tracking, as well as ensuring working, worker safety. So the sensors here, uh, the assets that you are trying to monitor, these can be like uh, you know, um, autonomous trucks, or it can be heavy earth moving equipment or infrastructure. And uh, the type of data that you are trying to collect is typically sensor uh, temperature, pressure, humidity, um, vibration, accelerometer, um, and uh, gyroscope, and things like that. So not only you have all the sensor modules, but um, also like gateways that may be um, located on the truck or on the infrastructure that is able to collect all the sensor data, and then process it, either process it locally or send it to the cloud for processing. So for the, uh, for the end customer, um, the end customer finds value in getting this data in real time, being able to process um, the data and make some decisions. Maybe you are able to detect some wear and tear um, um, 
of the machine or things like that. And if it is uh, something to do with like toxic gases and things like that, I mean, if you have air quality monitoring sensors, you're able to detect that early and then ensure that you are taking the right steps to ensure worker safety. The, uh, the clear uh, thing here is you have this multitude of sensors and gateways. And uh, again, as in the oil and gas case, this is a, on a, typically on a, at a remote site. So um, obviously, you need that plug and play experience, reducing the time to onboard and uh, uh, provision these devices. So next, I'll go to what Intel and AWS are doing together to address some of these problems. So we have, um, when Greengrass launched in June of this year, we published a joint reference architecture. And uh, this joint reference architecture basically uh, has technologies uh, from Intel at the edge in terms of gateways and some of the gateway software and also some of the um, hardware root of trust uh, capabilities like the EPID that I talked about, and the uh, device management capabilities like uh, Helix Device Cloud. They work in tandem uh, in a seamless fashion with AWS IoT and AWS Greengrass. You can actually see some of this in our demo booth, um, all these things in, in uh, action. Um, I highly encourage you to visit uh, the um, uh, Hall D, booth number 928. So let's actually look at um, a typical use case. I mean, you're talking to a customer. The customer is interested in an IoT, uh, uh, first of all, a pilot, and then going into production, right? One of the key... Um, uh, requirements is obviously I talked about like the the barrier between a pilot to a production is, is scaling right and how quickly and how seamlessly you can scale so obviously uh, because of the cost prohibitive nature of onboarding and uh, uh, onboarding securely one of the key requirements may be zero touch provisioning right so this is where um, Intel and AWS together with their joint reference architecture and solutions that we have working today can, can help a lot in reducing a lot of that friction. Scaling from pilot to production. So the customer RFP may be something like, okay, um, you're working with an SI and the SI determines that you're, you have like 500 gateways, a couple of Intel devices, a couple of MCU devices, right? make up the spectrum of devices in the project, right? So as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you need to reduce the friction of uh, deploying and onboarding and, and scaling. So as uh, secure device onboard and zero touch provisioning becomes a key requirement in this. How should the RFP response look like? So you want, Intel has certain certified uh, vendors which are EPID enabled. Um, we work with an ecosystem. Um, some of the gateway vendors that we work with are Advantech, Dell, AD-Link, HP, Contron, and Congatech. Like for example, they all support Intel uh, devices uh, that are enabled with EPID. Should you run into a situation where it's a non-Intel device, you can still go back to 
some of our partners that have embraced this uh, technology, Cypress, Microchip, and Infineon, for example, right? um, and many others. And if they're already Intel uh, APID enabled, it's not a problem. But in case they are not APID enabled, we can work with them. They can download the SDK from the Intel developer zone. And then you can use the SDK to provision the APID credentials um, into those devices. So again, the whole experience is once you have the APID uh, enablement, then the onboarding and uh, um, provisioning becomes a matter of seconds rather than like half an hour. Again, Intel demo booth. This is what you will see in our booth. And uh, uh, basically, uh, we have a demo with a robot arm and vibration sensor, uh, a, a gateway that does uh, the analytics, and uh, the, the gateway is transparently like, you know, provisioned on power on. It's uh, attested and onboarded. And then the whole control is transferred over to AWS IoT, right? So uh, for further provisioning and all that. And in this example, we actually launch AWS Greengrass uh, agent on the gateway upon, uh, soon after power up. And the attestation happens in about 40 seconds. And then the Greengrass uh, agent is loaded within three minutes. So the whole provisioning process, all you need to do is just do the power on. And everything happens very transparently within three minutes. Greengrass is running, and Greengrass is processing the uh, robot arm and vibration sensor. There are Lambda functions that are executing, detecting like jerky motions and things like that. So very uh, powerful demo and uh, uh, um, leverages the uh, Intel's uh, secure device onboard technology. Also, um, there is a link on this. Um, uh, you can actually uh, click that link. Uh, over here on the top right, or it's easy to remember, www.intel.com slash secure device onboard. It's all a single word. You can go to that, and uh, uh, it'll give you a lot of information and videos and everything, uh, what to do. And uh, it also has a link to Intel Developer Zone, where you can download the, um, the SDO um, SDK. Summary, um, we talked about the challenges, um, security and scale, all addressed uh, through this uh, zero-touch activation, um, the Intel Secure Device Onboard that leverages the, the enhanced privacy ID. And then we also talked about the, uh, the IoT value chain, uh, it's embedded in silicon. It's not just Intel, but we work with an ecosystem of semiconductor manufacturers. We also talked about the value chain, the whole workflow, and then uh, attestation by the secure device on board. So if you need any um, information you can um, about the SDO, I gave you the link. Uh, you can also visit the demo site. That's it uh, I have. and. Uh, I'm kind of open for questions. Yep. Can you talk about the business model for the secure device onboard service itself? Who operates it? Who owns it? Who could open it? Who has it paid for over time? Yeah. For operation for 20 plus years. And the 
Yeah. Yeah, good question. So, so it's all like, uh, it can be done in many ways, right? The spec itself is open. So you can, you can look at the spec, you can generate your own keys, we give you a free SDK, you can load uh, those keys into the, into the uh, uh, chip yourself. Intel actually wants to accelerate the, uh, the uh, adoption of this, so we offer this as a service. Uh, it's a low, fairly low-cost service, and the service can be like um, issuing the keys, first of all, and then on top of that, we also have uh, an attestation service, right? So once, and we stop at the attestation, and then we, once the attestation is done, which attestation means that we verify that this is a trusted endpoint up to that point, and then we transfer the control to an IoT platform. We don't do any device provisioning or anything like that. I mean, that's a customer's choice. So that we have, uh, we have a charge for this, and then you can contact me for more details on the pricing and everything. Yeah. Can uh, I? Yes, I mean, the spec is open, so, yeah. Like, I gave you an example, like, uh, we have a recent announcement with Google, and uh, they are mandating that all Android-based Android key stores should be attested through this EPID. So we have issued them EPID keys, right? So what they do with it, it's up to them. So this is a pretty flexible, yeah. Yes, we issue the keys. We also have a spec that will tell you how to issue the keys as, as well, yeah. It's a good question. You will have to somehow um, do through uh, maybe like manual keying uh, of those credentials, or there is, uh, I think there is a certain mechanism. I think if you look at like some of this uh, home, um, uh, like the Comcast or something, they, they have the WPD button or something. So that you can use that protocol um, to key in those credentials just for connectivity. Does it answer your question? Yeah. yeah. I mean, somewhere in the system you have to, the, uh, you have to give an IP identity, right, for it to communicate anywhere. So that is the very first step. Without that, um, you really can't have all this uh, protocol translations and exchange of information with the cloud and authentication and everything. The very ba basic thing that we assume here is that first you have to give that power and then you have to give connectivity. 
And if it is a, um, a SIM-enabled device, then you get the connectivity directly, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. No. It's part of our reference architecture. So um, we have that integration between uh, the device management and the AWS IoT uh, APIs. So all the credentials and all. We basically uh, take the credentials and then provision from the AWS IoT. We have a script uh, in the S3 uh, that will tell you exactly how to install uh, uh, how, how the device can pull that script into, on, onto the device and does the uh, thing. And the key thing here is we have to establish the trust. And then uh, through that uh, trust establishment, after that, you have to establish a secure channel. Once you have the secure channel established, you can do all kinds of cool things. So the EPID credential, right, it goes on a piece of silicon. The CPU. Yeah, the CPU. The CPU is in a board. You can also have, you can also have other processors. Yeah. You, I mean, again, it doesn't have to be Intel, right? If there is any other processor and you can, using our SDK, you can put the identity on that. I mean, that's also possible. You can use a TPM, for example. Um, I, this is a little bit involved question. I would encourage you to come to our uh, booth. Then we can kind of go through the workflows. Um, I have some workflows uh, on the chart, but I think it's uh, a little bit involved. So it, uh, it's best we do like a whiteboard. Uh, but I'll, I, I'm available. Like I can uh, just come over to our booth, and then we can have the discussion. Any other questions? Well, that's that's it. Yeah. Thank you.